Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... With the news last week of Rafael Nadal's missing Roland Garros and the pending retirement in 2024, we wanted to have a nice discussion today about that retirement process. We have one person on the podcast who is already retired, I believe, actually, this is impressive, from two sports already. So Noah, a twice-retired player already, and we're joined today by... Bjorn Fratangelo and Bradley Klon, both guys, I guess we can call you veterans uh, who are, you know, on the back nine of your career at the very least, have battled injuries much like Rafa as well. And uh, hey, boys, it's it's great to have you both back on the podcast. Awesome to uh, be joining you guys. It's been a little while, but uh, excited to talk retirement. <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> For me, it's just an absolute honor to be on the podcast again. Yes. So it I appreciate be. it. Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Noah. What's this hat situation? I mean, am I just missing out here? Is that to show not to show how veteran-like you guys are? Is that what it comes down to? Well, my hair because... is super long. I need a haircut bad. Real bad. But there's somebody else on here that actually got a haircut, and this is how we have a little, little mohawk action going oh, on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dude, let that oh, wow. fly. Yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah, there we go. Yeah. All right. Oh, cool. I go. actually kind of yeah. dig it, to be honest. It's, it's actually not <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah it's going I to was, be blue soon. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i do blue this week. Just for Yes. Giggles. I don't know if we got to go that far. <laughs> Somebody get that on air in Little Rock. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was told I had to wear a hat because apparently – I haven't showered yet this morning. And yeah, that's also uh, crucial. Yeah, you know, see, West Coast problems. You you get to that age where you're just like, fuck it. I don't, you know, you don't care anymore. And obviously, these two guys are, you know, you're with it. It's just like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. We're getting we're getting up there. That's for sure. <laughs> um, boys, this is, um, you know, not about where you guys are with your particular decisions, how you're you're structuring things, but we wanted to have more of this kind of. Uh, 
big picture question. And uh, the thing that I know, having talked to both of you um, over the last week or so about, you know, where you guys are in your own careers. But then when I heard Rafael Nadal talk this past week about um, that idea of having one last season to really go to the tournaments he enjoyed, really have that uh, uh, opportunity to just really enjoy his tennis experience for a full year. And and I've talked to both of you about that. And I, I guess my, my first, first question for you guys is, how did that strike you when you heard possibly the best competitor of all time in, in our sport say that he just wanted to have one year where he's able to enjoy the experience and enjoy some of those tournaments he's loved over the years? Go ahead, BK. All right. Um, it definitely struck me. Um, I, I think in particular, we've seen it in the last few years. We've seen a lot of people start to re retire that have been, I guess, idols of ours or just people that I, I certainly looked up to growing, growing up, namely Roger, but now Rafa. And we know that the tour is, I mean, it's long, it's a long season and it's, always uh what have you done for me lately it's next tournament next week there's no time to rest um celebrate a win i mean i think we all know from experience that you win a tournament on sunday and it feels great but you might have already lost within 48 hours of playing the next week going the next week and so it's just a con constant um it's it's constant you feel like you're on the hamster wheel at times but so you know it's it's what we do we we do love it otherwise i i do believe if we didn't love it we we wouldn't still be out here it's just it's stressful at times as well and so i think that when you start to see your i guess mortality a little bit you know i think so much when you're younger you think that your career is going to go forever you don't think about the future. You don't think that this might be the last time I play a Roland Garros or a U.S. Open. It, it just always seems like it's, well, there's always next year until there's not. And I think that you really do want to go out and enjoy the final year. And, and every athlete wants to go out on their own terms, on their own terms can take on a host of meanings but it's ultimately up to the competitor to, to define that in their way and I, I think that Rafa you know I think he just tells you how much he's hurting if he wants to go out and say already a year in advance that I, I'm thinking about retiring next year and I, you know I, I want to actually have some enjoyment Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's like, I just hope for him that he gets the opportunity to go out the way he, he wants to, because in my opinion, the way that Roger left the sport was kind of so abrupt. And so, you know, I guess in his own way, it was great because labor cup was his idea and he came up with it, but like you got to see him in one doubles match that I think was like a third set breaker and like, sure, he stayed the weekend and everything, but like, you know, he's gone now to like basically not forgotten, but like he's out. And I hope <laughs> that, dead. and I hope for Rafa, like he gets to play 
you know, if he wants to play Ozzy one more time, do it. Like, I know everybody always loved him in Acapulco. Like, everybody loves him everywhere. But, like, you want him to play Madrid again. You want him to play kind of a little bit, like, obviously to a much higher extent, but kind of how Ferrer went out, I would say. You know, put the bandana on the on the tee of the court and, you know, say goodbye to the people that obviously have paid, you know, so much money to see you every single year wherever you've been. And I hope it's not just like a – he can't play and then he kind of like hobbles to the French and ends it there. BK, you kind of talked about, uh, you spoke about um, ending the career, you know, on your, your terms, but I've kind of thought about it the other way as well. Like how tough is it to end it on your terms? You know, I think injury at times can kind of just make it stop at that line. You're like, I, I just can't compete. You know, that I have no option, but like, unless you're a fed and you're like, or an Ash Barty that went out kind of on their terms, but with so much success, I think that's the asterisk, you know, cause you kind of conquered the sport, but for every other player, what is that, you know, how tough is that decision to be like, I, I don't have it in me. I don't know if I have more in me. I can't, what does that really look like? And I know you've kind of gone back and forth at times, but BK, if you want to start us off with, you know, your thoughts there. Yeah. I mean, it's, every individual is different and it's ultimately it's coming to peace with the end of your career and whatever it takes to get there. It's, it's not a straight path. It, it's a lot of emotions and you think about so many other careers. Like most careers, your earning potential is just continuing to scale up into your forties, fifties and sixties how many careers have a life cycle that goes up, you try and capture as much as you can in your late twenties, early thirties, and then you just fall off the peak and you're done. And you have to come to grips with the fact that you won't do that the rest of your life. And I think that's very challenging for everyone because we've all played this sport for do you rem- I mean, do you guys remember a time I mean, when I, you weren't playing the sport? No. But how and do you it, feel about not changes. getting to a, a goal of yours and still possibly deciding, hey, I don't have it in me, you know, not reaching those goals, you know, because I think we, we can all admit that, you know, if you're not really done, you can't say that you haven't reached top 50 right. yet. You know, you could you always have that next stop. I mean, it's got to be such a difficult. I mean, I know I felt it. Yeah, I think no matter what goals you set, it's, it's tough to hit every single goal that you set out. I mean, even for guys as great as Rafa and Novak and Roger who have hit 20 plus slams, you know, you don't think that they look back at a match like Roger with that Wimbledon final over Novak. Like there's always going to be something that continues to draw you to the sport. I I know for me personally, it was, know yeah I didn't hit top 50 and that was a huge goal of mine but also what am I going to sacrifice to try and get there or is it one of those where you know accept that you've had a good career I did everything that I could there's there's also some out of your control there's only 50 players I mean it sounds obvious but there's only 50 players in the top 50 and you don't have the only say at that everybody else is out there working their hardest and it's, it's a tough sport. We all know how brutal it is to get the top hundred, to get the top 50. So 
ultimately for me, it's come down to accepting that I might not hit everything that I achieved, but I think you appreciate, I know for me sitting at home now, I appreciate the journey now a lot more than I did when I was on it. And just the excitement of getting up and, and going to work and, and even getting out on courts at 8am and practicing. And, you know, it's those moments that I think take on a little bit more meaning now than maybe they did when you're actually going through it. Bjorn, are you the same in that regard? I mean, I think, you know, the last, uh, obviously the last few years for me, you know, haven't been easy with all the foot issues that I've had to deal with. And, you know, there's definitely been ups and downs. And I think, you know, yeah, you can kind of appreciate more now. Like I'm going to be 30 in less than two months, you know, like, like, okay, sitting here with, you know, with Brad and, and with Noah, like I've played each of them in a grand slam, you know, like we're all sitting here and we've all done some pretty special things. And I think it just gets twisted a little bit with how our sport is where it, you know, rewards so few. And then it also like how the outside looks upon it where it, they also feel like, you know, they only reward the, the top few also. So it's like, it warps your own brain in a way to really say like, I can say like, okay, I've been as high as 99 in the world. What does that mean in tennis? What's that mean? You know, but it's, it's like a huge deal. Like, you know, Klon was career high of 60, whatever, you know, Noah almost touched a hundred. Like, I mean, we've all done some pretty cool things. And I think like looking back now, like Brad just said, yeah, I hope when we do decide to, you know, set the rackets down, like we have, more appreciation because I think it's something that I've lacked throughout my career. And I think it's something that I still have to grip with now. Um, but I mean, he's a hundred percent, right. Like what we've done is awesome. And I think, I hope that we can all sit back in 10 years and have a beer together and just talk about those times. You know, we saw Pedro Sousa, you know, kind of end his career with a loss to <laughs> Ulysses Blanche. And I think about kind of how anticlimactic it is. And it almost made me feel a little bit better about things. Like, you know, it, just in the fact that it's like, yeah, this is how somebody even at that level in that career, I mean, this is kind of the way. So there's no perfect way of going about it. And, you know, I have this drunk guy on my shirt who was trying to go about it about a few different ways, but seeing, you know, that, you know, in his hometown, but losing first round. And I texted Blanche. I was like, what was that like? He's like, if I even knew, I probably would have been a lot more nervous, but I kind of feel bad, you know, like that's the end. It, it's anticlimactic. It ends. And there's not another match on, on the pro tour for him. You know, has there ever been a time BK for you that you walked off the court and you're like, that, that was it. Or has it kind of been more of a longer process, longer thought process in the journey? Yeah, I mean, it's, I would say, like, last year at this time, I was done. I mean, I remember, like, I even told you guys, I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> I had been out for 18 months. I'd had three back surgeries. I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I couldn't go into the rehab facility every day and just feel like I wasn't getting any closer. And I said, you know what? I'm going to play the summer. I'm going to go to the slams. I'm going to enjoy it. And I told myself I wasn't going to like, there's, I wouldn't hurt myself bad enough that it would set me off down the road. And I started feeling better and better and better. And then you get back on that. Like, 
you get in the mode of things you're around the tournaments and for better or worse it's a comfortability factor you know it it's not i would say it's not necessarily been the healthiest for me and my own like mental health and just handling the stress of it but you miss the adrenaline rush and i started playing the summer i definitely got to us open and thought you know that could very well be my last one and i think if they hadn't added San Diego, I, I might've considered stopping there. And then they added San Diego. And I was like, I, I thought that was going to be it. I, I remember that match playing Escobedo. I had match point. Um, I cramped in the third. Like I just was so tight knowing that this could very well, like this could very well be my last singles match ever. Um, and it was emotional. I mean, I remember breaking down after like, just you hold all these emotions in, you know, we're, we're told to keep it in check and you, you don't want to show your opponent anything. And I, I just lost it. Um, and it took me a little while. Uh, like, you know, it didn't sit well that that was <laughs> going to be my last match, but I just didn't know if I had had it in me to, to keep going and to keep, like taking care of my body the so way warm I up the next day. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it was, you know, I did it for doubles and, and doubles was different, but it's like for me having been top hundred, it, it was one of those things where it's like, if I'm not going to be top hundred, I don't know that I want to keep, keep doing this. And I, I know what it takes. I, I've gotten up there twice and that's difficult to reckon with, but ultimately we, we all face that. Bjorn, I, I know you're in a, a bit of a different spot, right? Like you, you've obviously, uh, what you've put into your, you know, reha rehabbing from this, this big foot injury that you had, I, you know, having watched you in Tallahassee and Savannah, and I could see you're very close to that level that I know yeah. I expect from you. Um, with all of this in mind, you know, and, and just realizing kind of where you're at with your career, are you structuring your schedule any differently to make sure, you know, kind of like Rafa talked about, you're maximizing that enjoyment component, you know, off, off the court really, so that you're also kind of balancing and making sure as you go on this long last ride, however long it might last, that you're maximizing your enjoyment? Yeah. I mean, it's look, it's tough, right? Like actually I'm in a little bit of a setback now again, uh, like we talked a little bit the other day, but um, yeah, basically like, you know, look, I have a couple genetic issues with like some bones that are near my big toes. And instead of it just being one bone, I have them in two, two bones. So they rub against each other. The left one ended up fracturing last year in Savannah, actually. Mm -hmm. And the doctors missed it because it's so small. Played on it through the summer. It was really bad. It it's ended up being broken forever. They deemed it what they call a non-union fracture. Now my right one has a stress reaction literally after Savannah again. So I don't know what it is about Savannah because I, I love Savannah. I've it's the no <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're not going back. So, um, you know, last year was tough because I had, you know, like after what I considered 2021 to be a good comeback year from like the other injury, um, you know, I ended that year in the race 125. Yeah, right. I made the finals of Taralgan right away in 2022, which would have probably put me at like 110 105 again i would have been right there but the covid system really didn't allow that and it got to me 
and then it got to me and then you know i really struggled from february and march until the toe stuff ended up happening pretty much right away in the spring um but yeah i mean look like i really want i really want to give it one last shot and i've i've been feeling okay like playing wise like you said i feel like i'm close and it's tough because i don't want to drop levels like i'm gonna be 30 years old i don't know if i have it in me to play futures i did it you know in 2021 when we had to and whatever and it it is what it is and you know it's not glorious say, i'm not <laughs> yeah it's not to say that i'm too good for it but like what's it worth at this point yeah you know so i think on top of like trying to enjoy it and you know go to where i want to go like my protected ranking is pretty shitty. Like I'm outside of the slams, you know, like every challenger match I play, I feel like it's holding a little bit more weight because my real ranking is dropping. I don't want to drop back down. So like there is some added pressure that maybe I'm forcing on myself that shouldn't be there, but it's also like the realm of where I'm seeing myself in my career, like saying to end it on your terms. But like, if I drop to 800 and my protected's gone, like, there's a good chance that I'm gone, you know? So I think it's coming to grips with that also. But like you said, playing wise, I don't feel like I'm that far off. Um, it was just kind of getting momentum in some matches like beating Emer and then beating Kovacevic or beating Sarundolo and then winning that last match against Oliveri, even though I got COVID like one week before Sarasota. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it's like, you want to enjoy it. I know I still have it. I feel honestly, I feel great physically aside from like the foot issues. Like I feel like I'm as fit as I've ever been, you know, you keep telling me how good I look. So thanks for that. Every time you see me. Um, yeah. You know, so it's almost it, worse. It, yeah. It, it, it's tough. Like, thanks. I know. You know, and I talked with obviously me and Brad are, are super close friends and we talked a lot about, you know, him wanting to stop and continue and stop and continue and it look it's not easy for any of us like brad said we've done it our whole lives so like it's also like he said it's also a comfortable thing so like to go to the next move you know it's scary because we haven't done anything else and, you know he's got a stanford degree like i don't um you know shit so yeah it there's there's you know it's 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 kind of juggling what what's good for you yeah, I mean, there's there's two points to that. Um, yeah, I think for me, you know, I didn't use the word retirement, but definitely needed a break. Didn't know if I was going to play another match again. But I think ending it on terms, like resource-wise, I knew that if I don't have X, Y, and Z, I'm just wasting my time. I should not come back into tennis. If I don't have a coach, if yeah. I don't have a trainer, if I'm not ready for that, like, and then, you know, and BK and I have spoken about this, like, then you're looking at actual dollar amounts and it's like, am I or can I, physically or want to invest 150 grand do or a hundred grand that year. Um, what was that thought kind of going back into your guys' rehab and looking into next year? Was it like, I better have a full team around me coming in or I just want to be healthy and play again. Go ahead. BK. I, two minutes. I, well, I guess I've gone up and down, but when I decided to come back last year, I wasn't going to invest in a team because I knew that I was just, that was it. Like I figured I was going to play a few tournaments. I mean, I, I had laid out a schedule last year to play just tour events and just 
enjoy the cities. Uh, for me, it was less about like, I guess when we're on the road, I mean, how often we talk about it, it's like tennis, tennis courts, hotel, dinner, hotel, like sleep, repeat. And when I was making my climb, I was so focused on top hundred. It was like, that was the only goal, you know, everything else be damned. I was locked in, but you don't really take in the other cities. And so now I've, I'm like, I don't need to pay for a coach. I'm not going to pay for a physio. The tour events, you have access to great medical care. The, the ATP physios are great. You've got the massage therapist. Like, why am I going to invest that money um, for like a, a return that you know, I guess I don't know if it's worth it. Like yeah. for that, for that to be worth it for me, it was in order to, I guess, recoup that investment, it's you need to be top hundred and make top hundred money. Um, certainly as I kept playing, I was like, Oh, you know, I I've gone back and forth because I just wasn't sure. Like, you know, I still had the level, like I felt I still had the level. I managed to get myself back in shape. Um, I can still play the, play the game. Certainly it's tough. You have to do it day in, day out. I guess Bjorn said it's, you know, you get through one match. Can you get through the second match when you're maybe not feeling well? Can you start to build some of that momentum where all of a sudden you're playing three, four, five matches in a week. Now all of a sudden you get yourself back in match shape and my body just hasn't allowed me to do that when it's not the back. Like I was feeling good at the beginning of the year and then I, I tried to play four straight weeks and I didn't even win a match but I already ended up back in the doctor's office for an injection in my knee um so that's kind of told me like it's not maybe it's not worth it to spend yeah. the money on a coach just enjoy the last few tournaments like enjoy the summer I have three more tournaments left in my protected and and just kind of see where it goes from there introducing coco golf's signature shoe more than just a tennis shoe it's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette it's designed to enhance speed and power on the court the multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out the coco cg1 empowers you to dominate the game learn more and purchase the coco cg1 at newbalance.com Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And Bjorn, for you, kind of coming into this, let's say the problems they're, they're telling you, you got two, three years in you feeling good. Can you go back on tour or do you have the ability to go back on tour with without a team? Or is that a, you know, a deal breaker at this point? Do you need that beside you? I mean, I think, look, I think it's like, I think I can start it maybe myself. And if things look good, like, okay, then it makes sense. Like 
bring someone on again or like you know not to say i'm gonna cut ties with like eric who i've worked with the past three years and like patrick who's been you know on uh on my team as well the past year but like it's kind of just i like you know we can talk about it it's a podcast so people want to know like i've probably lost 20k since i've been back you know playing like you know between when i started hitting in january to where i am now with coaching expenses and being back on the road and i think i've made what five grand like in prize money since i've been back so it's not easy like you're aware of it I'm, you know i've been through it for the last 10 years i know what it's like so i'm 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 okay with it but like at some point if you don't trust your body like brad said what's what's the point like of taking a coach like if i'm gonna win i'm gonna win like there's nothing really that i feel like is going to start me and maybe like propel me with this unbelievable momentum. Like if I can play the summer and I'm going to go to Lexington, like there's nothing that anybody's going to do to like squeeze in that last little inch. Like I'm going to do it. So it's really mainly about just like having the company and having the relationship with someone that you like, because like there's a lot of guys now that like, I don't know who they are. And like, there's not i mean i don't same you know <laughs> yeah and i don't know what happened oh, yeah. months but like when i showed yeah. up to Puerto Vallarta and i was with patrick i was like who is that who is that where are these guys like the canadian guy diallo i was like who is this six foot six guy that looks like he's 12 years old <laughs> you know and like the tour never stops and you know like brad says what have you done for me lately like you're out for six months there's a whole crop of new guys ready to come in you know so yeah, I think it just goes back and forth to like you have your home base and you know you you do what you can when you're here and then like for me to go on the road like I'm going to go on the road and I'm I'm going to win the matches. So if it gets to a point where I feel like I'm progressing and want someone with me then yes, okay, but I mean if you don't have faith in your body what's the point of taking a coach or you know I feel like even a physio I, I don't know if they could help me right now cuz it's two little bones, like I said. So there's not much you can do. And we uh, we talk about identity, and you know, Mike has to go in a few minutes. Um, but I think that's the most difficult aspect, kind of leaving the tour. You know, we've only known tennis; we don't remember life before tennis. Um, and I even remember, you know, at, yeah, it was a few months ago after my break that I took, and like people asked me, you know, like, what do you do if I was meeting somebody? Like, I can't couldn't say tennis player you know i like wasn't technically that anymore and it felt shitty you know like that that doesn't feel good that's who you are as a person um and i always joke about the doll like you know especially with the ocd like what does his life look like post tennis like how does he even function but for you guys um you know have you come to terms that you know you're an ex-tennis player or you are whatever you are how has that journey kind of been I think it's slow and, you know, has a lot of painful ups and downs. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's, it's going to be painful. I mean, look, I said, you know, we joke, I joke about it. Like I said, I was going to retire at the US Open last year. I'm still trying, like, yeah, BK still the going. Like, <laughs> like I said, I was done after San Diego. And then I, I literally, I mean, shout out Nick for giving Monroe, for giving me the opportunity at All-American Cup. He uh, he called me up like two weeks before. I was like, have you been training? And I was like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, hadn't touched a racket. And he was like, all right, well, we need you. And I was like, all right, well, fuck. Like, I guess it's time to 
get back in shape and I go there and like, I get around it and next thing you know, I'm like, well, I don't have a job yet and I still got protected rankings. So I might as well go to Australia and like, you just like keep going and it's tough. I mean, like you guys said, like our identity as a professional tennis player, it, you know, it's not who we like are completely, but it is a large part. And if you're not careful, it can quickly consume you. And that's what makes you like, yeah. Like what you said, what do you do? Like, oh, I play professional tennis. And it also like the reaction that people give you when you say you're a professional tennis player, right? Like you get a high off that because most people are like, Oh wow. Like that's so cool. That's so different. You're not a banker. You're not a consultant. You don't work in tech. Like you're a professional tennis player. And so it's tough, but you have to like eventually start to disassociate with that. And one, one actually piece of advice I'd received was like, how much different is your life going to be if you hit like, let's say I came back and I, I pushed myself and I got to 50 in the world. Like how much different is my life really going to be? Okay. Maybe I have a little bit more money and I, you know, maybe I made the third round of a slam as opposed to the second round, but 20 years from now, is my life going to be different? No, like nobody's really going to remember unless, and, and this is kind of the harsh reality of the sport is so much of the tour is made up of guys like us, but the only people who are remembered are slam winners, the stars, top five, top 10. Right. And the rest of us, like we're trying to make a good living, support family, support whatever we need. And then we move on. Um, and it's difficult, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, I'm not going to like, I, I think 10 years from now, I'm not going to care that I didn't make top 50 in the world. or I didn't make the second week of a slam, but I'm still going to have like, I'm still going to have the friendships with you guys and the relationships that we've built, like those are going to last a lot longer than a match point that I did or didn't convert. Well, Mike's not going to talk to any of us once we're gone, but that's besides the point. <laughs> he's done. He's, he's on to Diallo already. Yeah. He's very tall and Canadian. Um, uh, that was us. Like that's the scary yeah. thing. Yeah. That was like 11 years ago that I remember, like I was that, little kid right out of college that was wide-eyed bushy-tailed and just like excited and didn't know any better and you know uh, now i'm wondering if like guys like bobby reynolds and kendrick and whitney were kind of like on the way out as we were coming in like is this what they were feeling <laughs> these <laughs> looking at idiots. us yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who are you dude you know <laughs> yeah um so it's yeah it's just the life cycle is amusing having to run through it. And Mike, you and I talked about it. Like you really started, like yeah. you said, you started at Winneka. So you have actually seen the full life cycle of us as professional tennis players. Yeah. And, and I mean, like I can point to Winnetka, you, I, I've said to Bjorn a couple times, how I remember the first time 
meaning him and Mitch together, which is not surprising. But in in Tallahassee, up on the balcony, up in Tallahassee, I have that distinct memory of of you guys. And um, this is going to be awkward because I actually have to go, and I'm going to let Noah close out the podcast um, while oh, yeah, I go yeah, yeah. pick up my child because I actually have to be a parent here for a second. But um, y- you guys have both played very special parts in my career because of these relationships. And I think you guys have kind of both hit on it, right? I mean, these are the things that I think matter more. I have all of my friends, you know, from the age of 20 to 30, that's where you make those important, incredible relationships. And both of you guys, not so much Noah, but both of the two of you have been such a a major part of that, right? Even for me, even though I'm 82 years of age. Um, I, I guess what, what I'd like to know, and I'm going to actually come back and listen to this later, but for, for both of you, you know, it's one thing, you know, we think about Rafa potentially retiring at Roland Garros next year would make a lot of sense, right? That idea of playing that slam one more time and being able to go out quote unquote on his terms, um, at that spot. And I guess I'd love to know for the two of you where things are, are different, um, at, at lower rankings, is there a particular challenger? Is there a particular tour level event? Is it the U.S. Open that would make the most sense and and say, man, that would be the ideal way for me to go out, have achieved something along this process for you? I know, Bjorn, you know, you have that opportunity here to make a little bit more of a push. I know, BK, you're at a, a different spot. But is there something you would like to see for yourself over the next few months, over the next two years and say that would be an ideal way. Uh, Pittsburgh future. It's <laughs> <laughs> just what I wanted to hear. Um, but I, but before I go and you guys can answer, I love uh, the two of you very much. I'm looking forward to seeing you both at some point over this summer. And Noah, just remember to say goodbye at the very end. Okay. You can, I don't like you. you I don't, no, we I never don't like liked you. each just other. Just leave, it's fine. leave okay. please. Thanks, Mike. Bye, guys. Thank you, Mike. Always a uh, pleasure. I guess, yeah, to answer that question, I mean, I guess ideally, like, yeah, it would be U.S. Open, right? Like, that's where, you know, I feel like every American wants to end it or Indian Wells or I don't think there's any particular challenger event that would be, like, on that on that roster for me particularly. But, yeah, I would say, I mean, U.S. Open is obviously super special. Indian Wells is where I won my first ATP match. Like I've played Novak there on that center court twice. Like it's a pretty memorable place for me. Um, yeah. So maybe that's where I, I would like to see myself go out. Brad. Stanford challenger. It's on the calendar. This yeah. Year. Right. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> now I, uh, I mean, look, it's obviously a lot of memories there, but that's the, I know that's the week before us open qualities. I mean, Bjorn hit on it. Every, every American I feel wants to retire at the us open. It's our home slam. The support you get there. It's just the energy. I mean, we all have played slams. We know it's just a different beast. When you walk in, you walk onto the grounds for the first time you walk in the locker room, just like the feel you have, it's different. It matters. And for me, the U S open has not just been an American, but the U S open for me personally has been some of my best memories and some of my best tennis that I've played. I won my first tour match there. I won my only first and only five setter of my career. there my first summer on tour. 
some of the most memorable matches I've ever played in my career have been at the U.S. Open. And that's that was my idea last year. <laughs> When I <laughs> thought I was and then we see BK in 2054. Was, was there. Gray hair, like with a cane walking out onto the court. Uh no, I, still got I, it. I don't I still think got so. it the forehand. Yeah. The uh the mind thinks you still got it. The body uh, might say otherwise. But yeah, I I think ultimately for me it's it's retiring at the US Open. It's I, I think that's also where I've had my most support. I have a lot of classmates that live in New York. I've always had my family there. I think when you talk about retirement, ultimately, I think, and I guess this kind of wraps up my thought on with going out on your own terms. It's, it's being able to have the people that have meant the most to you throughout your career at that final match and almost making a, a bit of a celebration, whether or not you're quite ready to, whether or not you think that, yeah, like I could give it another six months or maybe I've got that one last run in me. It's, it's ultimately celebrating the career and not wondering what if, and and to do that, I think it's important to have, you know, it's important to have the people that have supported you. Like we, we all know you can't do this sport alone. It's an individual sport, but there's a lot of people that help us get there and it's showing them the appreciation the sacrifices they made to get you there and and just i think more than anything i I come back to sports celebration but just an enjoyment enjoying that final match win or lose um and being able to have some closure i think that's you know i think that's a good word and what any of us want is just to be able to have closure on the career and not a what if um but yeah, I mean, it's funny you guys brought up the page. Yeah, it's funny you guys brought up the U.S. Open, though. Like for me, I get anxiety just like with the word U.S. Open. So I, I think I would love if it was, you know, whenever that last year is um, to enjoy that, you know, to walk into that tournament as a celebration, I think would be something that feels different. And you, Bjorn, like besides just, you know, going out feeling good or any accomplishments you would like to hit if you had the chance. I mean, is there something like that, like me coming out to the open and just enjoying, is there something like that, that you would like to do before you leave tennis? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, you know, to have both my parents and, and, you know, there's one other coach coach with that I'm close from close to, sorry, uh, in Pittsburgh. And then obviously Maddie, like having them there for, you know, what would be, let's say a final match of mine, like would be awesome. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of how I see it, like where that is, it would have to be at like a more, you know, a bigger event because you like to get anybody to get four people into like a challenger tournament. It's like, why, how are you going to make that happen? But like, if it's a <laughs> slam and you know, it's like a peak event or something like that, it's different. Like it's, and it's, you know, also a little tough for me. Like when I won the French, for instance, like nobody was there you know um so like also paris holds a special place in my heart it was also the place where i won my first slam match um so it's like uh, you know as a professional not a junior um so also i i I love the french and i've played that tournament every year you know alone like my mom has never been to paris my dad has never been to paris like it's tough to kind of 
go through your whole career and like you see all these people have their parents like a majority of the tournaments and it's like do you guys not like how do they do they work like what's the deal it's <laughs> like mine mine do and like they have to be at home so <laughs> you know it, it's it's tough to kind of see that sometimes and i think that's an area that i maybe didn't think about when you're in your early 20s mid 20s but now like i do think about it and uh you know, I would like however much longer I have in the game for hopefully both of them to be somewhere together, you know, probably ideally in North America somewhere um, and see me play. Cause it's, you know, it's uh, obviously they're a lot of the reason why I got to where I got to, um, you know, I mean, I'm not as close to the U S open as like you are, obviously you live there, you know, I'm from six hours, you know, west but it's like it's different it doesn't i don't have that anxiety like you do sure um so I, you know i like the us open i wouldn't say it's like my favorite but um just because of everything you know that it brings but uh yeah i mean look ideally that would that's where i would love to go out um but my ranking is gonna have to allow that to happen also hey, who knows usca comes in we'll do this for you bjorn don't worry We'll see about that. <laughs> um, to end on more of a high, what does Rafael Nadal do post tennis career? I mean, he's what? like a scratch golfer or whatever. But like, what is what is his day? What does his wake up look like for the next? I want to see years? a skins match between him and Marty on the golf course. <laughs> Rafa's gonna wake up and then go run. He's gonna become a marathon triathlete or something like that. I, I just can't even imagine him like eating like i mean first of all this is we're talking about a guy that's gonna have like pain for the rest of his life right like for whatever rogers needs is i don't know you know exactly what the deal was but like he's just the ultimate fighter there was no grace in his game there was no you know like roger where he floated there's no mobility like novak like everything was brute force and just willpower obviously yes he's very talented but like he's a heavy mover everything was very heavy everything was like dude the first quarter of his career was he a bodybuilder or was he a tennis player like (laughs) think about think about the mass that he moved with when he was in his early 20s i mean i think people have to sit back and just really say that he was the most ultimate competitor that we have ever seen in this sport um yeah, I mean, he did it all, but yeah, I hope he just stays in bed for like a week when he does shut it down because <laughs> he deserves it. I mean, I think all we can ask for is just that what he put his body through didn't compromise his health for the rest um, of his career because he, yeah. he deserves, I mean, he has been an icon in this sport. He and Roger and, you know, Roger starting and then Rafa coming have really carried the mantle and then obviously Novak as well but just Rafa's been such a role model for so many people around the world and how he's handled himself and just you know I'm always you can always get motivation from watching a Rafa Nadal press conference just in what he says and the way he he goes about his business so you know for him it's I just hope that he's able to be healthy and enjoy his family life and obviously the academy and but those guys they always find it another outlet to to scratch that competitive itch yeah no but guys thank you uh for coming on today 
as you can tell, Mike is just extremely happy and then sacrificed everything to be on this podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. But no, no, we love you. Um, hopefully we can take one of his jobs and we see you guys commentating. But who knows? Who knows where our careers lie in the next uh, year or so? There's no way BK is done. So that I mean, he's going to outlive <laughs> all of us. I mean, that's just that's just is what it is. Um, Am I gonna outlast you both? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, at this rate you might. Yeah, Mike, Mike yeah. might retire from commentary before you retire from tennis. Let's put it that way. So, that but guys, painful. we'll have you guys on soon we'll again. See. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thanks, Noah. Thanks, Appreciate Noah. it. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at Noah Rubin thirty three at Mike C Tennis and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.